Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Music Room. This time in the music room. So I have a big heavy metal background, and the, the guy who I wrote the music, uh, songs with also has a big uh, metal background. And so we like to uh, joke that we're two uh, metal guys writing <laughs> songs for uh, My Little Pony. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Music Room, the show where I chat with composers, songwriters, and musicians about their work before magically going back in time to find out how it all began for them. In this episode, Canadian composer Spencer Crean will be sharing his story as well as a brilliant item and a piece of advice, so stick around to the end for that. How are you? I hope you're having a great week. I actually have a bit of news. Well, I say a bit, only the future of the music room, you know. (laughs) Shall I tell you about that in music stories? Okay then. So for most of this year, I've been trying to figure out how I can build on the brilliant foundation that is the Music Room podcast, the newsletter, and most importantly, the community that's grown around the podcast. The way the Facebook community group has grown into a a warm, supportive and helpful space has been so special. And I've been looking for ways to expand on that. And more importantly, a place somewhere that can have free elements like the podcast and the newsletter, but with the option of being a paid subscriber if you want extra perks and resources or to just support what I'm trying to do. And I want everyone to feel welcome, whether you're a paid subscriber or not. So when you type in musicroom.community now, you'll be taken to a new space on the interweb. Take a look around, see what you think, let me know. I've started with a music media recommendation newsletter called Listen, Watch, Read. And soon there'll be a brand new podcast called Music, 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 yes, another one, that shines a spotlight on independent music. I feel like the Music Room podcast is about people. Music, music, music is all about music. So come along for the ride. I think 2024 is going to be fun. Spencer Crean is an award-winning Ontario-based composer who most recently worked on I Don't Know Who You Are, which premiered at this year's TIFF Festival. Spencer is also known for his evocative and adventurous score to the global hit sci-fi series Surreal Estate, starring Sarah Levy and Tim Rosen. Ready to get into the music room to see how Spencer's doing? Let's go. Spencer Crean, welcome to the music room. Ah, oh, thanks so much, Gareth. Very happy to be here. How are you doing today? We were just talking about how it's getting dark and cold. It's a bright and a sunny day for us, uh, so I'm doing well today, and I'm sure if I step outside, I will be doing less okay. At the moment, inside, <laughs> looking at the nature, I'm doing, doing very okay today. You mentioned that it looks warmer than it actually is at the moment over there. If I was to look outside, uh, looking outside right now, it said, say, 12 degrees. If I was to step outside, not 12 degrees, probably zero-ish degrees. So a lot way colder than it is. Yeah. And just to clarify, you are outside Ontario in Canada in a town called? Uh, Guelph. So if you went to uh, Toronto and then mm. did about an hour west, um, that that's... Oh, where I am. And uh, funnily enough, it's actually, I think, I believe it's named after one of the kings in um, England. I don't remember which one it is. I want to say George the uh, Fourth, Elizabeth's 
uh, a dad, but I have to double check that. I have to fact check that one, but That's it's fantastic. a really cool little bit of connection. Yeah. And it says on your website that you love reading about global folklore and mythology. I so, do um, love, yeah. I have a deep passion for all kinds of folklore from all around the world. What, what no matter, almost no matter what a culture is, I just find there's something really interesting about understanding a people other the stories that they tell. Yeah. So, um, you know, Warner Brothers uh, remake of Lord of the Rings. Spencer is ready and waiting for your call. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing a whole set of movies coming down the pipe. They, I'm sure if one of us will show up. They are, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Um, okay. So, uh, Spencer, on your website, anyone can view your showreel, and it's, it's great. And it really shows off, I think, your diverse musical range, as you put it on there. And... Um, I, there's a space I felt in the recordings, both in the music and in the production of the music, that I think really supports the action on the screen. It kind of gets out of the way of the dialogue and the, the action. Is creating that space something that's conscious or, you know, how do you go about writing for a scene typically? Um, it's just that you say, getting get out of the way of the dialogue, because I often turn the dialogue off actually when I'm writing. I find that it's not, I don't need to, understand the words understand the feeling so i tend to, to turn off the words after about a viewing or two you know like i'll watch it like once or twice and then when i'm working i'll turn it off because i want to understand what the characters are talking about um in the heart and if i can understand yeah. that then i feel like the scene works um so i'm not always conscious about what they're saying exactly and if the music fits in but i am very conscious about what they're feeling and if that is the proper feeling to be focusing on um though i do find i because I think I write a lot of my music away from picture um, when it comes to themes and things, and, and then I write accused uh, to picture, I think a lot of the uh, uh, thematic material um, coming away from picture is able to exist in its own uh, kind of a life that it's not uh, burdened by the confines of the picture. It's, it's able to exist around it. And I find that I like that way because I don't ever feel like I want to be stepping on the toes of the actor, or stepping on the toes of the cinematography or on uh, the editor. I want to be working with them and I've, I've seen some works where it sometimes feels like the music is doing a bit much to tell us what we should be feeling or how to feel or if a character says one thing the music does the little I just I'm not really into that kind of writing I, it works great for those productions but for the productions that I work on I find um, taking a subtler hand uh, works a bit better I'm a big um, a believer in the idea that a music should exist as another character uh, and I just keep thinking that another character doesn't step on the toes of its fellow's actors. Like everyone works. Very true. Um, and so I find turning off uh, the dialogue, uh, writing music away from picture and then testing it afterwards is a good way for me to understand where my place is all within the film and then working kind of along that. Yeah. I guess in, in that sense, if you're turning off the dialogue, you're responding more to the physicality of the yes. acting as well. Do you ever have a, a scenario where they're not really acting physically <laughs> how, do, how does that work i work with the camera a lot um i'm and i, right. I, I must have been watching aventasia um as a five-year-old but i love thinking oh, yeah. of uh, a film a uh, score kind of like ballet and i've used it a lot as if it is ballet um so whether it be interesting camera movements or interesting edits or what the camera is tr trying to tell us or what the color is trying to tell us those things all tell me what i should be doing as well so um i worked on a film a long time ago where there was this really wonderful a one shot of a we're moving the house traveling through time and i thought it might be interesting if uh, the music kind of felt like it was up breathing as if it was uh, the house so i found ways to make the music feel as if it was kind of almost breathing up and down as if it was with 
uh, the house and it worked it worked wonderfully and it kind of gave another energy onto the fixture. So I like doing that kind of things a lot. And I find that helps me uh, stand out um, in this vast uh, sea as I'm focused very much on trying to make something that's inanimate in the picture, try to make that all come to life. And I, I saw on your Instagram just this afternoon that very thing, bringing that house to life, uh, this spooky house. Yes. And you had multi-choice. Is it this? Is it this? Or is it this? And you had your beta and you, yeah. <laughs> it was yes. either the door or something else and something else. Um, yeah. And it was the bath, wasn't it? And you, you yes, created a, an instrument, sample instrument out of that. Uh, great yeah. way of doing it. It sounded it was um, so effective. I really love taking the sounds of the earth and finding ways to make music out of it. I think there's, I think I've always been uh, drawn to that mm-hmm. a metaphysical idea that the music is uh, kind of all around us. So when working on real estate, I, I will focus very deeply on trying to make sure, can I bring these houses out uh, of life? And my pitch deck, uh, what I submitted even before uh, being hired included unlocking on doors. Like I, I added in and a bell ringing and uh, door squeaks into the actual composition. I would sort of give the sense of the, these houses might be alive. And they seem to love that idea because we've been doing it ever since. A lot, <laughs> yeah. of, a lot of the houses introduce something that might be alive with, oh, within the house, whether it's oh, recording bathtubs or um, in this uh, current season, uh, using electromagnetic waves of the uh, modernized house to find a way to make that a uh, music. Uh, and then there's a feature episode where uh, we recorded uh, dogs and found a way to turn that almost into music. And I won't go into too much of that um, because it's a spoiler, but recording dogs and turning that into music was another kind of checklist on the thing of things that I wanted yeah. to figure out um, how to do. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm really inspired by finding ways to take what's in the natural world and turning it into music, not only having that, but having that mixed with orchestra and mixed yeah. with a vocal and other kinds of instruments. I, I, I find just very um, inspiring. Bring something really, uh, not really unique. It's either unique or not, isn't it? But bring something unique to the process. Absolutely. Sound. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so your work on I Don't Know Who You Are, which has been described as a modern Greek tragedy, is set to premiere at this year's TIFF Festival. Um, how did that come about and how has the whole production been? I've worked with the director, M.H. Murray, since first year university, which is probably now about 12 years ago. We met, uh, I think, the first week or the second week and I've worked with him ever since. Um, and we have very similar ideas of how music should be. We both want music to be another character in the, I mean, the film. We want it to have its own identity, and we don't want it to be telling us the obvious answer to what we think it might be. So when discussing I Don't Know Who You Are, the first thing that came out to me when reading the script was it reminded me a lot of Greek plays. It reminded me a lot of uh, plays like, um, what's the one, um, the guy who marries his mom. Um, I'm blank on the name right now. <laughs> Oedipus. Uh, but no? Oedipus. It reminded yeah. me a lot of that sort of idea of there's always in these uh, plays, and it happens also in a Norse uh, sagas as well, but there's always this sort of idea that the uh, fates warn you at the beginning something bad's going to happen if you do this, and then the character does something that kind of goes against that, and then they continue to make the wrong mistake to find themselves in the very place that they don't want to be in. This movie does that less uh, literally, but I found it interesting that the character we see in the in one of the opening scenes this is that this is a guy that's a wonderful guy you should be dating him and yet he goes to the party where, where where like his ex is at and then that only leads him down this path of just another thing goes wrong another thing goes wrong where if he just stayed home and dealt with his anxiety he, it would have been okay in the same way that if the guy had just not listened uh, to the fates it would have all been okay 
So I thought it was I thought it would be interesting to then use that idea and have uh, the music act as the uh, fates of Greek mythology. What if uh, they were kind of uh, warning him, do the right uh, thing there, bud? <laughs> and what if he doesn't? What if he continually doesn't? And how would that kind of interact with it? Um, and that also goes back to an idea that I've had for a while of trying to take something that's inanimate or it isn't necessarily featured as a character in the film and find a way to make it a, a character. And um, I felt the uh, fear of HIV was something that was in the picture, but I wanted to give it its own personality. And so a lot of, uh, of the music is adding on to what if HIV was another character in here? What if it was engulfing it? What if it was engulfing him in uh, the wings of death? Um, but he has to find a way to get out of it because HIV is one of those things where I think we've now, we've associated it as something that is awful and terrible, but we now know that there's a lot of ways that it can be managed. And it's not the end of the world for most people now, but kind of kind of like early stages of cancer, you think that it might be, mm-hmm. and you, and you're very concerned about what might happen, and you only have a short uh, a window to uh, deal with it the uh, proper way, or I guess uh, one of the proper ways. Um, so this film tackles that pretty head on, and I thought it might be interesting to make HIV kind of like an angel of death in a way, and have uh, the music uh, cover him. Uh, fear, uh, well, the fates are over here, kind of telling him, "Hey, you need to watch out." And then over here is a beacon of light saying, "Come to me, it's all going to be okay." But he's pushing away from that one. So yeah. those three musical ideas keep battling one another until uh, the finale of the film. Murray loves all that kind of stuff, and I love all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why we work really well together. Is we're always trying to find something beyond just the picture that we can be focusing on. Um, and being a Canadian indie pop production, I find there's often most Canadian indie productions tend to feature a lot of piano and a lot of uh, droney synths and a lot of things like that. And I didn't want to use any of those. Like we said very early on, we're like no piano. Uh, no sense so a lot of the music was trying to figure out a way to make a, a unique voice uh, for the film for something that we've never heard before in uh, Canadian productions and great to have that access point of the the Greek tragedy just to find a way in and and get under the skin of the film yes yeah. I, I'm consistently trying to find the angle of whatever the film might be like for every project I don't I usually don't uh, say yes until I can find out what I can kind of uh, come in with and if I can find that, and if they're excited by that, then I know that no matter what the music is in the pitch, they usually want to work with me because they're excited by whatever it is that I brought to, to the table. Even if that musical a demo wasn't right, they're like, his idea is right, though. And this one might not work, but I, we can know that, 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 that like he'll get to uh, where it is. And usually it often works out. Yeah. Yeah. My last guest, Christopher Barnett, calls it uh, composing from the inside out. So oh, actually I love that. Just, just getting right into the, the characters, the locations, the themes. Um, and then working out how you're going to decide on the instrument palettes and, and things like that, but getting right That's exactly into it. those characters. I yeah. completely agree with that With that idea. I think that if you start with too much on the outside, you end up walking yourself in a tight line and to what your references are. You end yeah. up focusing too much on tap music, copying temp, copying whatever your inspirations are. If you focus, though, as he says, on the inside, you're focusing more on the character and on the heart and on the story. And no matter what you do, it's going to be, are unique because you're focusing on uh, traits which are uh, unique out of that s- story. So, so even if even if the, a template might be uh, similar, you're going to be approaching it differently. Yeah, yeah. So sci-fi, horror, My Little Pony. A little bit left field. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you've done some original songs for Netflix's My Little Pony, Make Your Mark. How was yes. that? How how did that compare to, you know, getting into the heart of a horror, <laughs> you know, <laughs> live houses and things? So I have a big heavy metal background, and the the guy who I wrote the new, uh, songs with also has a big uh, metal background, and so we like to joke that we're 
uh, two uh, metal guys <laughs> writing songs for uh, My Little Pony. Um, uh, that came out about, I think, because the music supervisor on Us Real Estate was also working on My Little Pony. And, 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 and he called me up and asked me if I wanted to pitch as a composer. Um, I pitched as a composer. I didn't land that, but I did pitch a couple of songs. And the songs, thankfully, landed in. We had one that was very musical theater, like classic Disney, that kind of thing, which just won, which just was nominated recently for a Canadian Screen Music Award um, a few months ago. Uh, so we're very pleased with that. And then the other song was more rock and roll, kind of punky, bringing out all the metal influences that that yeah. are deep within me, just toning them down <laughs> a bit. But uh, yeah, we uh, uh, we wrote both of the songs very quickly um, in a matter of days, and we're very happy with how they turned out. Would happily come back, but. Uh, right fit how how my, my little pony generally works as a pitch a game so every week you sort of pitch a song and i've just been I'm very busy working on other projects that i haven't had time but if i i'll find the time i would certainly pitch again because that just, yeah. our show was a blast fantastic okay well spencer are you ready to go back in time i'm, I'm interested to see how it all let's began do it. for you okay let's do it Here we are, back in time. Amazing. How did it all start for you, Spencer? How young were you when you first became aware of music? My parents were aware of my attention to music a lot earlier than I was. I didn't notice. I didn't know that I wanted to be a film composer until I was around 16, 15. My dad knew when I was 12. Oh. I um, I had done a couple projects for school that was very, very undeveloped in with music, but sort of one of those, like, I'll take a fairy tale and make, I guess, back then it was a burned a CD, but now we call it a playlist of our songs that kind of talk about these stories. And I guess I did a pretty good job at those that my teachers loved them. And my dad heard those and was like, damn, he's got an act for this. Um, I learned a couple of years later listening to, interestingly enough, heavy metal bands. There's a band called A Nightwish. I love the other band and they kind of reintroduced me into film music. I'd always loved uh, Star Wars and uh, Lord of the Rings music, but never really to the point where, I'm, where I was like, I'm going to, that's you know, like, what I want to do uh, for a living. Uh, but Nightwish, being a band that heavily inspired by movie soundtracks, kind of took me back into to the world of learning about Hans Zimmer and learning about John Powell and all these other just really incredible composers. That, that kind of made me go, you know what? This music is sort of interesting blends of folk music and rock music and orchestral music and all this different kind of stuff. And I was like, that's really interesting. I wonder if this is the right path for me. And it kind of all took off from there to the point where I actually designed my life to kind of become a film composer. Um, I worked with the piano teacher of uh, uh, Trevor Morris, um, who also is uh, from uh, London, Ontario. And I went to York University because the film program and the music program were in the same building. And I wanted to meet a bunch of filmmakers. I was like, I don't really care about the degree, but I do care about meeting people that are going to work on projects in the future. And the vast majority of people that I still work with today are people that I met back at York. So it was probably the smart call that I ended up going there and uh, I paid off. Wow. So you were pretty strategic right from an early age, really, mm-hmm. to, to where you wanted to be. Do you find that you got to where you were thinking of then? Or is it different to how you imagined? Or? I think it's different. I think when I was then, I wanted to work on big action movies, big Hollywood kind of stuff. Um, I had this strange thing where I, I, I love Hollywood and I would love to work on those productions. I can't stand the heat. I kind of prefer the seasons and I kind of prefer a colder seasons. I don't know if I'd ever move to Los Angeles. Maybe one day, but at the moment, my, my brain is so focused on like, it's autumn time right now. And I love that the fact ah, that it is. But I never, if, I, if you asked younger me that he was going to be doing like My Little Pony and like 
a bunch of like horror stuff. I think he would have laughed and said like, no way. Cause I didn't watch my little pony. I didn't watch a lot of horror movies back then, but now I'm watching a lot more. Um, but up until five years ago, like horror was the genre that I stayed the most away from. And now it's the genre that I'm most kind of like embracing because it's just so much fun. Like it's, it, it is on the genre that, that, that like you can write big melodic music in and big epic music in and big orchestral stuff. And I love all that, all that. And you can be very like, experimental and all the things that I love in music horror kind of allows for those things whilst other genres ah, less so like everyone kind of assumes that um horror is a jump scares and a scary music i've only encountered that in some projects most projects actually i'm recording with irish instruments and bagpipes and weird instruments and recording things all around the house like i'm not actually record i'm not actually doing uh jump scare music i'm actually doing everything but so i find that that's a genre that i've embraced quite intensely and i'm a big a fantasy guy and a lot of um horror tends to bleed into fantasy as well yeah, I think the the best horrors are, are probably more to do with suspense, aren't they, than jump scares? Absolutely. I mean, I was listening to some Edgar Allan Poe stuff last night, and that's some of the uh, scariest writing of all time. And it's more, <laughs> as you said, it's more suspense and thrilling. I wouldn't really call it horrific, but it is quite... You just want to feel suspense. unsettled most of the time. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It's <laughs> oh, fantastic. So you mentioned your father noticed you were musically inclined from the age of 12. I mean, before that, did you have any music lessons or? I, I learned, I definitely always liked music. It's, I mean, there's certainly videos of me as a, a kid playing on a, you know, like one of those uh, Kleenex on guitars, you know, like where you take the, the paper towel roll and kind of, you know, like with the uh, Kleenex box. Um, so I definitely always loved music, but I think I never really found out. I never really knew where my place was in music and uh, a film until 15. But I knew I wanted to either be in bands or I yeah. wanted to uh, be on stage, all these kind of things. And then as I got older, I kind of realized, okay, well, on the stage, you have to practice. Don't love that. But I do love writing music. And I loved writing songs all the time. And I would write songs consistently. So I started to realize, okay, well, obviously this might be maybe more where like where would I belong. And I always have I had a really deep love uh, for filmmaking, watching all the behind the scenes videos of every movie ever made. Uh, and then sort of along the line, the two kind of merged. And I think that's yeah. when I realized that it was uh, film music, but it was there was always sort of two identities. It was music and there was a uh, film. And I'd say that's even probably true uh, today also. Um, but there was always sort of the two and it was sort of the battle between the two and deciding which one it landed on. And for the longest time of my life, I knew I, was, I thought I was going to be a writer or director or an actor even. Uh, and I definitely dabbled in in kind of all those uh, worlds, mm. but music kept being the one that was the constant. Where even if those ones kind of came in and out of music, was always that sort of consistent one. Where I was like, okay, well, writing was a fun thing for this year. The music was still a big part of that. Um, I didn't love taking piano lessons at the time. Was more into rock music, but now I touch the piano more than the guitar. So I guess that says yeah. a lot about how we don't really know. Who you become when you're a kid. Yeah. Well, as a friend of mine said once, which really resonated, actually, it doesn't matter what the setup is. Harmonically, it's it's kind of the same, whether it's an orchestra or a, a heavy metal yeah. band. You know, you've got the, the rhythm, you've got the bass, the yeah. the middle bit and the the, the melody. Absolutely. It's all, uh, it, it's all the same kind of makeup, isn't it? Absolutely. And, yeah. and she, it's interesting you say that because I work with a lot of metal bands and they are also thinking a lot more compositionally these days. Like a lot of bands I work with, you can tell they are thinking like every classical composer I've ever worked with as well. They are thinking in the same kind of brain. It's just for them, it's uh, guitars and drums and bass. And uh, for these guys, it's it's the orchestra. It makes you wonder, doesn't it, if heavy metal was around uh, in Beethoven's lifetime? <laughs> they say that. You, never, you know, you know I, I, I have no idea. Sometimes I want to say yes. The other days I listen to some country or listen to some EDM or I listen to some punk and I'm like, Beethoven could be writing these too. So it's sort of, I have no idea where people yeah. would have landed up if they were around. Yeah. 
So, Spencer, I ask all of my guests to leave an item and a piece of advice in the music room for others to find. Do you have an item and a piece of advice that you could possibly leave in the music room? Uh, I'd love to leave this piece of advice in the music room. Kind of let life just take you wherever it takes you. I've, I've sort of lived, I mean, you, you, no matter how much you plan, I've learned that no matter how much you're planning, you can plan everything you can possibly do to try and make your life turn out a certain way. And it's going to take you somewhere else. It's kind of like the fates of Greek mythology. They're going to have a different plan for where you're going to go. I thought I knew I was going to go into film music. Didn't know it was going to be um, horror music. I wanted to work with metal bands. Didn't think it was going to be as an orchestrator. Um, you know, I like Los Angeles and yet I still don't want to move there. So it's like life seems to take you in the way where it's going to take you. And I think when my, my agent told me that around the pandemic, she was just like, don't try to make life happen. Just let it happen. And that I mean, instantly calmed me down and instantly has let me live a much happier life and a much more fulfilling life. And I think it's helped me write a lot of better music as well. So I'm less concerned about trying to make it happen. Um, so yeah, just let life take you where you're supposed to go and try to plan as much as you can, but know that it's going to go somewhere else and let yourself just embrace that. And that's, that helped me really chill out and hope you yeah. can let others ah, chill out um, as well. That's great advice. Um, that's going straight in the music room. And it's good advice because especially as essentially freelancers, which is what we are, it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole and fill your head with panic. <laughs> Isn't it? So what's the next thing? What's the next thing? So um, that's, that's and, great and you don't advice. Let, and that. you tend to not let yourself enjoy the breaks either. Like I think even letting yeah. yourself enjoy the break is really helpful. Again, like I, right now it's, it's slower. It's not super slow, but it's uh, slower. And I'm just letting myself have the vacations. I know in a few months it's going to be really busy. Yeah. So it's like letting yourself kind of rock those waves a little bit is just... Yeah. Otherwise, you sort of push against and you can find yourself in a position where you don't want to be because you're uh, trying really hard. As all those ancient stories keep on telling us, when the more you push away from from where life's taking you, the more you end up in a spot where you're, like, you don't want to be. Oh, wow. We're bordering on the profound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what item would you like to leave in the music room? I would put in the Quantum Leap East-West uh, Spaces uh, Reverb uh, plug-in. That has gotten me out of so many issues and it has basically helped me come up, create that big, wide, epic sound that I like. It has a lot of different kind of oh, presets in there that are, that are amazing. And since it's also, it's quite interactive, so you can do a lot with it. I just, I, I go to that plugin more than I go to almost any other plugin, whether it's live instruments or uh, found sounds or vocals or orchestral, or if it's real orchestra, or if it's MIDI orchestra, doesn't matter. That's like my number one plugin I go to all the time. I just love how rich it sounds it's thick it's very cost effective and it sounds incredible for how cost effective uh, that it is so that's the uh, east west quantum leap uh, spaces or uh, spaces too just hands down one of the best things absolutely ever brilliant had. and that kind of brings me full circle to my first question which was about creating space in your recordings in your music man that you put that on and you put, i use the uh, 12 a second I think it's called industrial something, or uh, I don't even remember what the patch is in your cart. I haven't named something <laughs> else, but the, whatever the 12 second long one is, you put that on anything and all of a sudden you can have one note and they can ring out and it can create this, this, this wonderful atmosphere. And talking about uh, space, I mean, I think the quickening score is so much of that. It's, is, it's one just, note. Just, it's like <laughs> a couple piano. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like three piano chords with a shitload of space. <laughs> and then three piano chords and then a lot of space but that reverb Super. is helping us allow that space so it never feels like it dies away and it feels like it creates this a bit of atmosphere that the characters can then live in and then when the piano come back in they feel learned again so that that reverb is the yeah, kudos to the people that made that you for that one i use it all the time 
Fantastic. Well, that's going into the music room as well. Spencer Crean, it has been absolutely lovely chatting with you and meeting you. Um, thank you for joining me in the music room. Thank you so much for having me, Gareth. This was an absolute blast. Thanks for listening to the Music Room podcast today. If you'd like to know more about the show or the community that surrounds it, head to musicroom.community. The link is in the show notes. Thank you.